0: Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one that we love. We thank you that we get to celebrate not just your birth, but your life. We thank you that you are the one that is still worthy, that is still worthy to pour our extravagant gifts upon. We thank you that as we continue today into the word, we thank you that your revelation is there in your word, the revelation of your glory and your splendor and your majesty and we thank you for the blessing of the word, and we thank you that we get to receive it today, just like they received your word 2,000 years ago. We bless you, Lord. Amen. light. It's nice and close and personal here, isn't it? Got my little, own little audience here in front. Well, I've got a couple of announcements before we get into the Word. Uh, If you're a parent and you've got kids, it's going to be a much shorter service today, so don't think there's another 40 minutes ahead of you to endure looking after your children. Uh, There is for up to three years old at the back there, and there's also a playpen out, out here in the foyer. The message streams into the back and out to the foyer. So if you've got kids and you want them just to freely roam around, you're welcome to have them in here. You're welcome to have them out there. If you can just be wherever your kids are, please. That would be wonderful. It's a public setting, so we'd love you to keep your kids safe and be there with them. Well, uh, just a couple of announcements, which is that next Sunday we have no service, so please don't turn up because Kev and Ali have not invited you. They're the ones that live on site, (laughs) unless they have invited you. There's not an invitation for the whole church? No? All right, we'll leave it there. So don't turn up next week. The following Sunday is the 7th of January. We resume normal services. Uh, All of our ministries are on break at the moment um, and we'll start announcing as they're resuming in January. The Paradox Church office will be closed until the 9th of January now just to give everyone a break. We Hopefully you get a break too like all of us have been looking forward to. We just had a great week down at the crew giving out uh, just under 700 hampers to families in need, which is wonderful. What I love most about it is many of you turned up to help. And so I just want to thank you on behalf of Kendall and myself to thank you for those that turned up on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday this week. We couldn't have done it without you. Who came along and helped out? Wasn't it a good time? Yes. It is wonderful. So if you missed out, chat to someone and put their hand up. Find out what you missed out on. Sign up for next year. We're hoping next year. So, this year, it was amazing. We got to partner with the Salvation Army. They're good friends of ours. They love Jesus and they love the city. And so, we got to partner with them this year, which was the first we've been working towards over the last three or four years. With the logistics wise, it hasn't worked out. And this year, we said, now we value unity over ease. And so, we said we put up with the challenges of coming together so that we could do unified together. And that was wonderful. It was a, just a huge blessing. And so what I would love your support and prayer for is that next year, we're hoping to get at least 10 churches in our city involved. So we wanted to, to blow it up, but not even necessarily about giving out more, but involving more unity in our city. We believe that for our city, Rocky, the city of Rockingham to be saved, we need churches to come together in unity. And so we firmly believe that uh, we are praying for it. We are talking about it, we are petitioning for it, we'll be giving into it. Uh, we want to see that happen next year. So if you could be in prayer, especially over the first couple of months in the lead up to, we're going to start promoting it come about March, April next year uh, to get everyone on board and to see our city blessed. Cool. I'm just going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your words. We pray for the revelation to come today, Lord. May they not be my words, but yours I just pray that the truth of your word would be loud and clear, and we thank you that for the blessing of the word, we thank you for the blessing of the Bible, that we get to learn from what happened back then and apply it to now, and so we thank you for that opportunity. Uh, We just pray for your spirit of wisdom and revelation to be at work here today. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd be moving in our hearts so that we can become more like Jesus, more in love with him, more in pursuit of him more, a greater and more all-in yes for Jesus. We pray that that would be the result of today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you got your Bibles, we're going to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be there in a minute. Well, I want to start by painting a picture for you. Now, for some of you, you could do it with your eyes closed. For some of you, it might be helpful to close your eyes, completely up to you. We're going to go on a journey back in time. I want you to picture a town a few thousand years ago. You probably have some sort of idea of what it might look like. Maybe if you've seen some of the Jesus films, you could picture them. It's to a town called Nazareth in Galilee. So I want you to picture that in your mind this town of Nazareth in Galilee. There's the hustle and bustle of the marketplace, there's trading going on, buying and selling. The streets are mainly of dirt. There's horses and donkeys and carts, but most of the people are getting around on foot. The street is full. There's people going about their daily chores and their work, a lot of barterings going on. Now, on that street that we're picturing is a house, and it's a house made of mud bricks. Now, inside that house is a young lady called Mary. Now, Mary is engaged to a young man called Joseph. Now, she hasn't Started living with Joseph yet, she's living with her family. Now, Mary loves God. She loves Him with all of her heart. So does her family, and so does her people, the Israelites. Now, you see, the Israelites suffered so much over hundreds of years prior to this. But what I found remarkable, as I've um, just spent lots of time in the Old Testament, not just week, over my lifetime... What I find remarkable is the faithfulness of the people that goes from generation to generation, that despite the difficulties that they face and the obstacles and the wars and the captivity, that underlying it all was a belief that the word of the Lord would come to pass, and specifically in this case was that one day a saviour, a messiah, a king One day this king will be sent by God to once and for all deliver deliver the Israelite people from everything that had been going on. Now this hope in a saviour, it got passed down from parents to children to grandchildren to great-grandchildren. And generation after generation after generation, this belief and this hope in the word of the Lord coming to pass, that one day a saviour would come, kept getting passed down. Now, when I think about it, it's quite remarkable that that the Israelites stayed faithful to this word, believing that one day for their redemption, being passed down. It wasn't like now we get to read for ourselves the Bible. Back then, it was just spoken word that get passed down and passed down. I find that incredible. That despite what they were going through, despite just someone's, um, so if I think of, say I was there 200 years before Christ and I'm going through this opposition, I'm getting taken into exile, that I would believe a word that had been passed down from generation, generation, and generation before that and still believe it with the same faith and same trust and same hope that they did back then when they got that word. So picture Mary in her house. Maybe she was thinking of it on this day that I'm picturing. Maybe she was thinking, I wonder when the Saviour is going to return. I wonder if it's going to be next year or in 10 years or 50 years or 100 years. Maybe not for a 1,000 years. But that faith in the Messiah coming was passed down from her parents to her. And she's probably thinking, when I marry Joseph and we have our kids, we're going to teach them about this hope that we have. That one day our people won't be under rule of the Romans or under rule from other countries, but one day Jesus would come, the Messiah would come and save our people. And then, an angel appears, and we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 1, verse 28 to 33. Luke 1, 28 to 33, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine the build-up to this moment? What Mary's thinking, that what had been passed from generation to generation to generation, all of a sudden, an angel comes and says, you're going to conceive and give birth to this one that everyone has hoped for, the one that's going to deliver. Can you imagine what's going on here in her mind at the moment? Just an angel appearing and saying your highly favor was too much for her to cope with. It says she was troubled at the words. And not just that, then the angel goes on to say that you are going to give birth by the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to the Messiah, the Son of God. If you're a lady, can you imagine like that coming upon you? What would you think in the moment? I'm not a lady, but I can guess. I feel unworthy. I think of all the things I'd just done wrong. I think of all the other people that would be far more equipped. I, I think of the oppression, I think of the house I'm living in, I think of all of those setbacks and all of those obstacles that meant I was unqualified and unsuitable and unworthy for the Messiah, the Savior of the world to be born in me. But then we see Mary's response. And what amazes me about Mary's response, I see I, I see the faithfulness of the Israelite people. And the faithfulness has been passed down to generation in Mary's response in verse 38. This is Mary's response. So first she questions how this is going to happen. He says it's the Holy Spirit. And then this is Mary's response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Can you imagine that? I'm unsure that would be my response. But what I see if we look through the generations before her is that they always trusted in the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, they had faithfulness for that to come to pass. doesn't matter what that was. If a word came from the Lord, they were faithful to that. And not just faithful in the moment, but faithful from generation to generation. If I think of something my parents have believed for, for them to pass it down to me and for me to believe with that same vigour and faithfulness, I feel like would be hard. To hold on to that same faithfulness from hundreds of years before, I find quite remarkable. Mary believed the, the word of the Lord, despite feeling overwhelmed and frightened and greatly troubled, feeling unworthy, she responds to the angel affirming her purpose, to serve the Lord and to hold faithfully to his word. There's something so simple about that, but I think if we grabbed hold of it and applied it to our life, I think we would find we have a lot more belief in what the Lord is doing if we hold to those two things, just to keep serving the Lord despite what's going on and hold faithfully to the word that he's spoken over us. So Mary gets this amazing word, the Son of God, the Messiah is going to be born. Um, She's going to give birth to this immaculate conception. The Holy Spirit plants... Jesus within her, and you would expect that what would happen with a great word like that, that the King, that the Messiah was going to come, that she would at least maybe get a nice sweet, overlooking the Red Sea to give birth in. You would think there would be something like that, wouldn't you? Like she would be whisked into some nice palace, and she'd be looked after and waited on, and that, that brings her in just to a nice, healthy pregnancy, taking her into a nice birth, and she gets to give birth, and there's all these people looking after her. But what happens is this incredible word of the Lord happens, and really nothing changes in her life, in her pregnancy. She goes about her normal pregnancy. She goes and spends time uh, with Elizabeth, uh, cousin of the family who's giving birth to John the Baptist, And so what happens is this is relatively normal pregnancy. And just before she's about to give birth, the census is called, and she needs to travel to Bethlehem. Now, this is a long distance that they've got to travel. It's not pleasant. It's dusty. It's dirty. She's nearly about to give birth. If you have been pregnant in your last stages, I would expect you wouldn't like to have a journey like that. It wouldn't be pleasant. The saviour of the world is coming in her tummy, it's about to give birth, and she still has to do all of these routine things. And so off she goes to Bethlehem, many days of uncomfortable travel. And then she goes to find a place to give birth, and she can't find anywhere, except for a manger. A manger is, uh, in its Greek words, is a, a place for animals to eat. So we think of it like a stable. It's a stable behind the inn. Now, if you you put yourself in Mary's shoes, I can imagine this is how I'd be feeling. I'm about to give birth to the Savior of the world, which is incredible honor, and I want to do everything I can to honor Jesus, give him the best start, have a place that is worthy of the Savior of the world. And in the same thought, I'm thinking, look at where I find myself. I'm in the stable at the back of the inn. Can you imagine the turmoil going in her head when she's about to give birth to the Saviour of the world in these filthy conditions? But Mary knew God was with her and was faithful to the Word, despite all the contrasting circumstances that she had to put up with. And we're going to see, as I read a couple of other accounts, we're going to see this faithfulness to the Word of the Lord continue throughout. Now, that same belief in the Word of the Lord we read in Early in Matthew, in Matthew chapter one, about Joseph. So Joseph, an angel appears to Joseph. So he finds out Mary's pregnant. He thinks about divorcing her uh, because that he wanted to do that to honor her um, and not to bring shame upon her. And then what happens? An angel comes to him and he says, "You're going to give birth. um, Mary's going to give birth. Uh, It's immaculate conception. The Holy Spirit has planted the Messiah, the Son of God, inside of her." And what um, Joseph's response is to believe the word of the Lord. Now, if I was Joseph, I think it's far easier to believe every other option for that conception than to believe that the Son of God, the Messiah, is going to be born. But instead, he's faithful to the word of the Lord. And I see this repeated. We're going to keep repeating this. Faithful to the word of the Lord. We also also read the same faith in the word of the Lord by the shepherds. We're going to read Luke chapter 2, if you've got your Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. I could just imagine that, how wonderful it would be A baby has been born in a town of David, a saviour. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So this wonderful thing, the king, the Messiah, the saviour, and the proof of that, he's in this stable behind the inn, in this dirty squalor. You think of the contrast again that's happening. And what the shepherds do is they again just believe the word of the Lord And off they go to pursue this, to see the fulfillment of that word. Then we have the Magi from the East that we read in Matthew. They had faith too in the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord comes to them. They travel from afar. They travel across nations. And they travel to Bethlehem to worship the one born King of the Jews. Again, it wasn't just believing the word of the Lord. It was putting in action and cost the word of the Lord was believed and caused their travel across nations. They gave gifts and they worshipped a baby in a manger. Again, this contrast between the word of the Lord and they're here presenting with all their, it says gold, frankincense and myrrh and they they've coming to worship before, extravagantly before a baby in a manger, in a stable behind an inn. But still the word of the Lord said, this was the Messiah, the Son of God. And they worshipped him extravagantly in a way as if they were receiving a king. It's incredible. They worshipped him, this baby, as if he was in fact the Messiah, the Savior, the one that would save them all. Even before they saw proof that he was the Messiah, even before a miracle was performed, they worshipped him extravagantly. In Luke 2, we read that Simeon, so Simeon is a guy who was faithful to the Lord, and the Lord had come to him at some point, likely decades before, and said, Hey, Simeon, you're not going to pass away until you see the coming Messiah. And so faithfully he held on to this word. And then one day the Holy Spirit comes and prompts him to go to the temple. So off he goes to the temple. At that same exact time, Mary and Joseph with Jesus. They come to dedicate Jesus at the temple. And we see Simeon receives him and gives thanks to God as the Messiah. Again, he holds on to the word of the Lord for decades, that he would see the Messiah. And then a baby appears and he receives him as the Messiah. And in the same passage, we have Anna the prophet. I haven't really read, focused on this, but I love Just for those prophets in the house, I love what Anna the prophet did. She worshiped, she fasted, and she prayed. It's incredible. She worships, she fasts, and prays in the temple for 60 years. She becomes a widow. She goes to the temple, worships, fasts, and prays for 60 years. I love her faithfulness. And then the Messiah that was prophesied about comes in, a little baby. And she receives him and gives thanks to him, to God, that he is the Messiah. What struck me for the first time, having read these passages at least dozens, if not hundreds of times, was the faithfulness of the Jewish people to believe the word of the Lord from generation to generation. That the Messiah that was prophesied about would one day come to rule and reign, and they believed it so much that they continued to pass it from parent to child to grandchild. The word of the Lord faithfully believed from generation to generation. It came to pass that day. For what we're celebrating on Christmas Day is the word of the Lord coming to pass that had been believed for generation to generation. That the promised Messiah that would save the people from their sins was born in a manger. And he is called Jesus Christ. The Messiah, the anointed one. And he is still just as worthy to be worshipped now as he was back then. He is still just as worthy. He's still the one that we believe in and we pour our adoration towards. The birth of Jesus was the fulfillment of a promise from God that we too get to pass on. We get to pass that on from generation to generation. That what happened 2,000 years ago was that the Savior came to redeem us, to save us from our sins, to restore us into right relationship with God. So my hope is this, that like Mary and Joseph, that we would be servants of the word of the Lord, believing it despite the circumstances we face, seeming impossible, and we would pass our words from generation to generation. I think of I have a word of the Lord over our family which talks about the city of Rockingham being saved. And I think of that as um, it's way beyond me. It's way beyond our church. It's way beyond the churches in our city. It's probably generational. And if I think of that, I think of how do I instil in my kids and the kids to come and your kids and the kids to come a word that's been received about a city, how do we instill that from generation to generation? What if that takes 100 years or 500 years or a 1,000 years? I hope that you, if you have a word of the Lord, it's bigger than what you can do. I hope it's something that you can pass on for generations. And I hope that I can find out words that have been passed on from generations before me that I can carry and champion and pray and fast into those words. I think it's important that together that we receive words from each other, um, that we believe for words that each of us have, and to pray and to fast and to worship into those words. Jesus came to save the people from their sins. He's still saving that, and so we need to pass that from generation to generation. And my hope is that like the shepherds and the Magi and like Simeon and like Anna... That we wouldn't just receive Jesus as our Messiah, but we would be so lost in His worthiness, in His majesty, in His beauty, in His kingship, that we would worship and adore Him extravagantly, long before He ever does something for us. Long before we ever see that miracle we've been petitioning Him for. That we would worship Him long before we ever see His provision, long before we ever see Him as our provider or protector or comforter. That we would worship him just like those people came and received this baby, having done nothing. They received him as their king, as their saviour and their messiah. My hope is that's my prayer for us. That we'd receive Jesus in that same way without him ever doing anything for us. Because he is worthy. I want to end with Matthew 1.21. It says, She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him, so this is talking about Mary, the angel speaking to Mary. She would give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So my final hope for today is that if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that today that you would receive him and know that he is faithful to save you from your sins and come into relationship with you. And just like what changed the world in that one moment 2,000 years ago, that a new day happened 2,000 years ago, that today can be your new day too. Now, we, we go about routine of church and we go about singing songs, but none of that matters if you don't know Jesus. That's more important than anything we do, more important than any ministry, more important than any feeding program we do is that you would know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you can close your eyes, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you, if you wanted to receive Jesus, I invite you just to respond in your heart to him. And I'd love to chat to you afterwards. So Jesus, we thank you that you came to save us from our sins. We declare that you are the Messiah, the promised one, You are the Lord of all. You are the King of all kings. You are our Redeemer. You are our Protector. You are our Savior. And so right now, Lord, for those that don't know you, I thank you that you receive them. So if that's you, just pray in your heart, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. I receive from you the forgiveness of my sins. I choose to have a relationship with you. And although, Jesus, I don't know everything about what that's going to look like, I make today the day I start to discover that more and more. So, I, Jesus, I commit as you being Lord of my life, I commit to pursuing you each day, to having a conversation with you, to reading your word. And Jesus, I just pray for all of us right now that we would receive your word as truth, that when we read it in the Bible, we would know that that is the truth. We would be faithful to the word of the Lord. We pass from generation to generation your truth and your promises. We believe you, Lord, for the salvation of our families. We believe you, Lord, for the salvation of our workplaces, for our sporting clubs, for our shopping centers, for our city of Rockingham, for the region, for Western Australia, for Australia, for the world, Lord. You are worthy of the adoration of the world, Jesus. And so we extravagantly pour our affection and adoration towards you for nothing that you would do for us, but for everything of who you are, that you are the Messiah, the Savior, the Risen One, and we glorify you as that, as the King of all kings, as the Lord of our life, we glorify you, Jesus. I just pray over this season ahead, Lord, and holidays, I pray for safety and protection over travels. I just pray for a peace over family, uh, dinners, Lord, I just pray for abundance of peace over family dinners, Lord. Where there has been turmoil, where there has been disconnection in relationships, I pray for the miracle of connection, Lord. I pray for the miracle of restoration of families right now. That as they come together, Lord, that you would restore families supernaturally. I pray it be nothing about what was said, but about everything about what you did. That supernaturally you brought restoration. I pray just forgiveness to flow, Lord. I pray for forgiveness to flow, Lord. I pray that that would just be first and foremost in our mind, that forgiveness would flow, that connection would happen. I pray that your love would be tangible in that place. I pray for your supernatural love to flow into these family environments, Lord. For those doing it tough, I pray for your peace and your comfort over them, Lord. I pray for this would be a time at Christmas that we would experience you in profound ways. We'd experience the closeness that I know that you want, Lord. Lord, we love you. We pray that through every interaction over this next period of time, that we would honor you, Lord. We would glorify you. We would respond to you. I just pray for opportunities to share your love and your truth, Lord, with people that we meet. We glorify you, Jesus not just as a baby that was born to save us, but as the one who died on the cross that rose again, that has brought us into relationship, and we place you upon that throne, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We've got some wonderful food on offer that the team have put together. We would love you to stay and connect, Uh, whether you're visiting for the first time, whether this is your home church. We would love you to connect with others, so please stay. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to chat to you and pray for you. There's no altar prayer team today, but if you gave your life to Jesus, I would love to chat to you. Have a wonderful Christmas. May the peace of God be with you, and God bless this next season you head into.